0: First minute of the game. First minute of the game. What's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I know. How about the last minute of a period? How about the last two minutes of regulation? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into. It. Football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Mike Sullivan is not exactly known for his flexibility as it relates to strategy. I'm not sharing some deep, dark secret here, am I? He has his system. He believes in his system. He's built everything since he's been a head coach on, in essence, the same system, because he further has faith that if that system stays consistent, if it becomes a core belief of the players that you have in your locker room or even the players that you have in your minor league system, all of whom are also instructed to follow this system, then it becomes, repeat after me, playing the game the right way. As opposed to playing the game the coach's way, this is just playing it the right way. Because the other way, in turn, stands to reason, would be the wrong way. Think about it. It's kind of smart. He's kind of a smart dude. But that doesn't mean that he's always right or that his way is always right. Because even... The greatest system in the history of professional sports, any sport, won't work if it isn't matched by the right type of player. And if you have a certain kind of player who doesn't fit your system, but you insist on applying your system anyway and calling it the right way then it's going to kind of look like what the third and fourth forward lines did last season. Now, I'm not going to bore anybody here with a Hockey 101 clinic and break apart all of his X's and O's. So I'll leave it at this. It requires a maximum expenditure of energy. Now, while that might sound obvious, well, of course, you know, it's athletics. They're athletes. You want them to be doing all they can, giving 110%. That's not what I'm referring to here. I'm referring mostly to the Sullivan forecheck, which is, oh my God, there's the puck. It has to be ours. Everybody, listen, everybody, go get that puck. Our very lives depend on it. And they've got to go and they've got to get to that end board before the other player does, or at least in a competitive time frame with that other player. They've got to come at the right angle to make sure that they're at least disrupting the other team's breakout or D-to-D pass that's made either behind the net or right across the defensive zone. You can't just let them have, and here comes another Sullyism, the easy outs. You can't let them just waltz right on out of their zone and attack you back. This has been, my friends, this one thing that I just mentioned, a fatal flaw that's been identified in a lot of players under Sullivan. If you can't do this, in particular as a winger, you can't play for this head coach. If you can't get from point A to point B at a satisfactory enough speed as a winger, you can't play for this coach. So you might ask, what's, what's plan B if you're just stuck with a player or two who's like that, who isn't all that fast or whatever? There isn't one. And that's why a guy like, just to pick on somebody here, Brock McGinn, looked just so worthless in a Pittsburgh sweater for the most part. McGinn had all the want to and everything else, but he wasn't that hard-nosed, in-your-face, get-down-there, bust-it, agitate somebody. He, He just didn't have that persona. They liked him. They saw that he was trying, but you can't manufacture that. So what ends up happening is McGinn just looks like exactly what he was for the Penguins, which was toothless. There was nothing there to his game. There was nothing. It wasn't negative either. I mean nothing, as in nothing good, nothing really all that bad. Just didn't fit. But the system didn't change. The ask of the winger didn't change now my first hope and ideally my only hope as it applies to this subject in general is that Kyle Dubas and of course with input from Sullivan have found themselves a bottom six that can do this I believe that there are some guys who will fit this and who will fit it very very well Noel Chari comes to mind. Matt Nieto is a hard-nosed guy. I really like the acquisition of Lars Eller. Drew O'Connor, as I've called him often, can be a human forecheck. He's ideal for that singular component to it. It's optimal if these guys fit. But if they don't, for whatever reason... If there's injuries, if there's just a lack of performance, and who knows what else? Maybe they just made bad judgments or bad reads on players. If that happens, you've got to find a way to protect a two-goal lead late in regulation. Never mind those other lapses I described. That's the killer. If you take a lead into the final few minutes of a game... You have got to have some alternative scheme, some different look, maybe even just to throw the other team off. It's okay to do that. Yes, I'm aware that there are situations in which the Penguins will sit back and will have sometimes zero four-checkers. That's really rare, but it's happened problem with that when they do that is that they're lousy at it okay it doesn't come naturally for them so it's something that i think should be emphasized when they get to training camp when we come back j1q this segment of daily shots brought to you by family table mom-inspired chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door no prep no mess just reheat that gives you more time for your family or hobbies go to FamilyTablePGH.com use the code DK40 that's DK40 for 40% off and free delivery on your first order order by noon Thursday for Monday delivery Family Table bringing families back to the dinner table from brian and it's in reference to yesterday's episode of daily shot of penguins in which i brought up a whole lot of business things including that fsg uh, fenway sports group the owners of the penguins of course are on the cusp of buying at and sportsnet pittsburgh and presenting at some point they haven't done this yet a different way of offering their broadcasts to the public brian says I guess the question, DK, is what will the market bear as a price point for Nesson-Pittsburgh or whatever it is that they call it? They charge $29.99 a month for Red Sox and Bruins, and I keep thinking that $19.99 a month is more realistic for Western PA. Well, Brian, setting aside, though it is a factor that cost of living is tremendous and historically has always been uh, in Western Pennsylvania. You mentioned two teams there to the Penguins' arrangement of having one, at least as we know it at the moment. So if they charge $29.99 a month for the Red Sox and the Bruins, and this version will only have one team, the Penguins, that's obviously going to impact your price point. Maybe it just becomes a seasonal thing. As opposed to an annual thing, then you're not getting anywhere near as much money. I'm not going to be great with this answer. I pay, I'm trying to think of which ones I have subscriptions to. I have subscriptions to the NFL, uh, all three actually, NFL, NHL, and Major League Baseball. And they're around the range that you cited there, the lesser one, the 19.99 a month. But there's a lot of things that are involved in that. The variable in this, the screaming beacon at the top of the skyscraper variable in this is, are you going to black out the games I want to see, or are you not going to black them out? That's it. Plain and simple. The reason that games get blacked out in a market, to understand this, is that teams and their related cable operators, the rights holders, can't afford to have the games going out in all kinds of different formats because it holds their TV ratings down. And as a result of that, they lose ad revenue. But if it's the same entity and the entity says, all right, we have a cable station, we have a mechanism here. That's what at and Sportsnet Pittsburgh is. There's a studio on the North Shore. They have an antenna. They have space on everybody's uh, cable systems. But we also want to sell our games through streaming mechanisms. And we want to keep that money. Yeah. Who are they competing with? Themselves, right? The only unanswered question for me in this scenario is, what does this do for the NHL's deal with ESPN, if anything? Because for those of you who don't know this, and this is where I pay my monthly fee to ESPN because they hold the rights to all the NHL games. And I love being able to just flip around to all the West Coast hockey that goes on and all that. If ESPN is losing the Pittsburgh games, or at least the Pittsburgh games that'll be on cable here, how does that affect their existing contract with the league? Man, see, this is, I could never be a business person or business lawyer or anything. I know I own a company and everything, but it's just that kind of stuff. It sails so far. Over my head that I can't even begin to describe it. It'll all get sorted out. Everybody's going to be able to see everything. There's my answer, Brian. I appreciate the question. They, no, I'm not being dismissive. They actually will. These games are going to be available to everybody. I have no doubt about that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one of these tomorrow.